This is Justin Ford for From the Frontline. Tonight we are dealing with Ascension Day. In the studio with me is Dr. Peter Hammond, the founder of Frontline Fellowship, who has been involved in serving persecuted Christians for over 40 years in 38 countries. Dr. Hammond, what is significant about Thursday, the 18th of May this year? Well, we're still in the Easter season, which only closes after Pentecost Sunday. Easter Sunday was on the 9th of April this year. So we're approaching the 40th day after Easter, which for Christians is Holy Thursday, the Feast of the Ascension, or simply Ascension Day, which is actually a public holiday in many countries of the world. It commemorates the day when Jesus ascended back into heaven from the Mount of Olives, which overlooks Jerusalem. And what are the rogation days associated with Ascension Day? Are they of significance to Protestants? Well, most Protestants have never heard of them, but they have been used by Protestants after the Reformation. Rogation days, or literally asking days, are the Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday before Ascension Day, which were observed by Christians as days of solemn supplication for the harvest. It originated in Vienna and France in the 5th century when the bishop, um, Mamertus, introduced days of fasting and prayer to ward off any threatening disaster. In England, they were associated with the blessing of the fields at planting. So the vicar beat the bounds of the parish, processing around the fields, reciting psalms and the liturgy, and this was even done by the Anglicans too. At the time of the Reformation, these days were continued for the purpose of retaining the perambulation of the circuits of the parish. So the route of the perambulation or the walk was around the boundaries of the parish which was a civil as well as a religious unit. Therefore, the processions were useful in teaching people, particularly the young people, the boundaries of that parish or that municipality. And so known as beating the bounds, the processions customarily stopped at boundary marks and other landmarks of the parish, like a venerable tree or great rock or perhaps a pond. The priest would read the gospel and perhaps affix a cross to the landmark. Then the boys of the parish would suffer some kind of indignity intended to help them remember the spot. So boys were bumped about against rocks and trees, thrown to the water, or held upside down over fences, thrown into bramble patches, or beaten with willow wands, some flexible little bits of branches. Then they were given a treat in compensation. In later times, the marchers beat the boundary marker with the willow wands and of the boys, so sort of beating the bounds. This became a time for boundary disputes between landowners to be resolved, and in time, the day broadened beyond physical boundaries to also reconciling people if there were personal disputes at the time. The idea is you're approaching the ascension which deals with the authority of Christ, so they're seeking to apply the Lordship of Christ to all areas of life. That was the theory. Well, the Church of England thought it fit to continue the observance of these days as private feast fasts. There isn't any order of prayer or even a single collect appointed for rogation days in the Book of Common Prayer, but there's a homily appointed for rogation week, which is divided into four parts, the first three to be used on the three rogation days of Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and the fourth on the day of ascension when the parish makes their procession. The days were called in Anglo-Saxon gang days, the old form of the name Gang days still lingers in the north of England. In the United States, the rogation days were associated with rural life and with agriculture and fishing. Um, Dr. Hammond, if we metaphorically examine the bounds of our lives or our society or our nation or even the world as a whole, we could be um, 
led to ask, why are so many things wrong these days? Is this an appropriate question to ask as we approach Ascension Day? Yes, it is. As a matter of fact, I was asked by a Christian leader some time back, why is there so much corruption, crime, and violence in society? Why is there so much immorality even in the church? Why are we seeing so many moral failures and scandals amongst leaders in the business, in every level of government, and even in the church? And my answer had to be that these are the inevitable consequences of our age. We're living in an age of antinomianism, the rejection of God's moral law, which inevitably leads to lawlessness where every man does what is right in his own eyes. We're living in an age of egalitarianism, the rejection of authority, the lack of respect for elders, and this has produced a self-centered and selfish society. We're living in an age where evolutionism is propagated, and it goes along with a denial of the Creator. Therefore, it denies accountability to Almighty God on Judgment Day. This whole idea that once upon a time there was nothing and then there was something and something became everything inevitably erodes the very foundations of Christian civilization. So foundational truths have been ignored and vital pillars of Christian civilization have been eroded. What we are seeing today is the inevitable outworking of false doctrines being introduced and tolerated then accepted, in many cases even celebrated. One of the great problems of our age is the separating of salvation from the Lordship of Jesus Christ. It is the Lord Jesus Christ alone who can save us. And we cannot accept Jesus Saviour without submitting to him as Lord. Those who preach a cheap grace and easy believism betray an inadequate understanding of the problem of sin, the nature of God, and uh, not only the nature of God, but what Christ's mission on earth was. Even our purpose and calling as Christians is being ignored. Consider the Exodus. It would not have been sufficient for Moses to proclaim to the Hebrews, who were slaves, that they should accept that in Yahweh they have perfect freedom whilst leaving them in bondage and under whip of slavery in Egypt. Anything less than deliverance from Egypt and freedom from the bondage of slavery would have been inadequate. God's eternal purposes requires the people of Israel to survive the Passover, leave Egypt, cross the Red Sea, and be established as a free people in the promised land. Sin is serious. We are all far too tolerant of sin. Yet sin is more defiling than dirt. It is more dangerous than an unexploded bomb. It is even more life-threatening than a deadly disease. It is more insidious than a virus. That's why the scripture says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord, and he will have mercy on him, and to our God, and he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. That's the word of God in Isaiah 55. Compromise and cowardice have had catastrophic consequences. We can recognize the outworkings of the classic tactics of corrupt and conquer, and confuse, divide, and conquer. All too many have been deceived, distracted, divided, and disarmed. Yet, there are those who openly advocate the destruction of Christian civilization. Just look how even something as simple as there's only two genders and God made them male and female has been undermined. The very foundation of society, the basic building blocks of the family is under attack. Marriage itself is under attack. Even the definition of what is a woman is under attack. Yet, in the face of all these disastrous developments, the response of all too many Christian leaders has been compromise and cowardice. 
So what is the solution and what does this have to do with a somewhat overlooked celebration such as Ascension Day? Well, actually it's got everything to do with Ascension Day because Ascension Day points to the solution to all these problems. Ascension Day deals with authority. Christ has gone into the heaven and he is at the right hand of God. Angels, authorities and powers having been made subject to him. 1 Peter 3.22 The trouble is that most Christians today stop with Christmas. Now, it's important to have a Christian calendar and a Christian calendar is vital. We should center the main holidays of our year around great Christian doctrines and events like Christmas celebrates the greatest gift of all, the advent of our Lord Jesus Christ, the incarnation of Christ when God took on human form and was born in Bethlehem. This is very important. And yet many people prefer to think of Christ as still being a babe in a manger rather than the risen, ascended, sovereign Lord reigning on high, coming again to judge the living and dead. The classic Christmas verse, Isaiah 9, verse 6 to 9, 7, proclaims, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end. Many seem to like the idea of a child is born, but they'd like to stop there and edit out the government shall be upon his shoulder. Mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government and peace, there'll be no end. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. That is too intimidating. That is too threatening, too intrusive. It has implications for every area of life. Many would prefer a God of love and mercy, who answers our prayers and provides our needs. That's all welcome. However, we're not too comfortable with a holy God, who sees everything, even the thoughts of our hearts, and who is an eternal judge to whom we must give an account. We live in a society where God's government is decapitalized and man's civil government is capitalized. Think how many people who put a small G for gospel will put a capital G for civil government. When we refer to the government, capital G, we should only be referring to God. He is the one who determines whether we live and when we die. He's the one who governs the universe. He determines the seasons. He's the one who makes the sun to rise. And to set here alone is all-knowing, everywhere present and all-powerful. So if you use capital G for government, you should be referring to God. All human authority is limited. It is delegated by God. It's answerable to Almighty God. We will all have to bow before God. We will all have to give an account of our lives. And every word ever spoken will have to be accounted for on that last dreadful day of judgment. Each one of us has an appointment. Hebrews 9.27 says, It is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. So Christmas is important, but we can't stop there. The second most important holiday in the Christian calendar is Good Friday, when we solemnly remember the atonement of our Lord Jesus Christ, his great sacrifice on the cross of Calvary. He suffered, he bled, he died for our sins. He endured the punishment we deserve so that we can enjoy the reward that only he deserves. Now this should inspire us afresh to repentance, to thanksgiving and to consecration. In view of God's mercies, we should present our bodies, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. However, many Christians actually only stop there at Good Friday. They worship Jesus as the suffering Savior. Roman Catholics have crucifixes depicting Christ suffering on the cross, whereas we Protestants have tended to reject crucifixes. To us, Christ is no longer suffering on the cross. So we tend to have a plain, simple, rugged cross because Christ is no longer on the cross. He is the risen, ascended, victorious King of kings and Lord of lords, reigning on high. So we don't want to stop at Good Friday. We want to go on to the third great Christian holiday event, 
Resurrection Sunday. This is a joyous celebration of the victory of Christ over death, hell, and the grave. Christ Jesus is risen from the dead. He is alive forevermore. Death is defeated. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Our Lord Jesus Christ has been declared to be the Son of God with power, according to the Spirit of Holiness, by his resurrection from the dead. It's worthwhile remembering that all the founders of religions are dead. You can visit the graves of Muhammad, Buddha, Confucius, Marx, Lenin, for that matter, Lincoln and Mandela, or even uh, Mugabe. But in Jerusalem, there is an empty tomb. He is not here. He is risen. He is raised for justification. It's absolutely vital, though, that we go even beyond Resurrection Sunday to Ascension Day and to Pentecost Sunday. These are also vital parts of any Christian calendar, and this is often what's all too often missing. Forty days after Resurrection Sunday, we celebrate the ascension of Jesus Christ into heaven. He is alive forevermore. He is exalted. He is enthroned at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. He is above every other name, above every other authority in heaven and earth. Jesus Christ is the King of all kings. He is the Lord of all lords. We have an advocate in heaven. He hears our prayers. He will crush all his enemies. He will come again. Therefore, we must go and make disciples of all nations. I mean, this is what Ascension Day really stands for. Yeah, if Ascension Day is um, such a vital Christian holiday, why is it not accorded more attention or deference by society and government, perhaps even by the church? Well, that's a very good question. It's very significant that some governments have seen fit to abolish the long-established Ascension Day as a public holiday. Ascension Day used to be a very popular public holiday in South Africa, but that ended in 1995 with Mandela. He abolished Ascension Day and replaced with Workers' Day, Women's Day, Youth Day, and all of that, Freedom Day, when we remember when we lost our freedom. Um, But Ascension Day, they don't want, because Ascension Day deals with authority. All authority in heaven and earth has been given unto Christ. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey everything that the Lord has commanded. The Ascension Day is inextricably wrapped up with the Great Commission. The Ascension proclaims the Lordship of Christ over all areas of life. Jesus has all authority. Jesus Christ is Lord over the world of business and sports and entertainment and government. Jesus Christ is Lord over the schools the shops, the cinemas, the factories, the hospitals, the law courts, the parliament. There's no area of life that is outside of his authority. Every doctor, every teacher, every policeman, every businessman, every parliamentarian and factory worker, every farmer and mother, father, every magistrate and Supreme Court judge will have to individually stand before Almighty God on the Day of Judgment and give an account of our lives. You can imagine why many governments don't want to remember that. The Ascension celebrates the vindication and the victory of Christ. So no doubt the high priest Caiaphas and King Herod and the Roman governor Pontius Pilate, they thought they were all very important, very powerful people. Yet the only reason we remember these religious and political leaders is because they arrogantly dismissed and unjustly condemned Jesus Christ. They did not recognize that they were condemning to death the creator, the giver of life, the eternal judge before whom each one of them must stand. You have ascended on high, you have led captivity captive. The Emperor Augustus, who issued the decree that a censor should be taken of the entire Roman-ruled world, requiring everyone to return to their town of birth, he could not have realized that at that time that the baby born to third-class subjects in faraway Judea would one day judge him. Psalm 110 says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand till I make all your enemies your footstool. And 
Jesus is the Messiah. He will be the one seated on the throne at the day of judgment and all of his enemies will be his footstool. So the question we've got to ask people as we consider ascension is, is Jesus your saviour or is he your judge? The ascension proclaims the ultimate victory of Christ. Those who refuse to bow to Christ as Saviour and Lord today in this day of grace, when forgiveness is freely available, will one day be forced to bow to Christ as the eternal judge. When the day of grace will be ended, then they will be condemned to hell forever because he shall execute kings in the day of his wrath. He shall judge among the nations. He shall fill the places with dead bodies. He shall execute the heads of many countries. Psalm 110, one of the most repeated and quoted psalms of the Old Testament, quoted again and again in the New Testament, a Messianic psalm. There's no doubt that Jesus Christ, when he comes again, will not come back as a lamb. He'll come back as a lion, as the conqueror. He won't come as the savior. He'll come as the judge. And the ascension proclaims us. He who has ascended in this way is going to come again and he will judge the living and the dead. Every knee will bow. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and given him the name, which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, of those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. They have been reading from Philippians 2. There is no other authority above that of our Lord Jesus Christ. Every knee will bow before him. Compared to Christ, the kings and the presidents of this world are as nothing. We've just gone through a coronation ceremony in England that's extremely impressive and for pageantry hard to beat. But let us remember, even as key part of that ceremony, uh, the king had to swear allegiance to the king of kings, the lord of lords. He had to submit himself to God. Before the people could uh, proclaim allegiance to the king, the king had to proclaim allegiance to the lord and and pledge himself to observe those laws in accordance with the word of God and the gospels of Christ. And so the day will come when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That will include King Herod and Caiaphas and Pontius Pilate. It will include Caesar Augustus and Nero and every other enemy of God, including Karl Marx, Vladimir Lenin, and Muhammad. Every knee will bow. So on several occasions when I've been witnessing to Muslims, I've heard a Muslim declare, I believe as Muhammad does. And at this I normally reply, then you must become a Christian. And uh, when I said this to Ahmadidat in the largest mosque in the Southern Hemisphere in Durban, he replied, but Muhammad did not believe in Jesus. And I said to him, no, he did not then, but he does believe now. And I mean, that's true. You cannot say that Muhammad does not believe in Jesus, present tense. You can say he did not believe, but he does now. And from the perspective of a missionary to persecuted Christians, how do you view Ascension Day? The Ascension is a great comfort to believers who suffer persecution. I have for most of the last 40 years been serving persecuted churches and war zones throughout Eastern Europe behind the Iron Curtain before the Soviet Union fell and in communist countries like Mozambique and Angola, um, in countries like Rwanda and Islamic countries in North Africa like Sudan. And it is a great comfort to believers who suffer to know that we have an advocate in heaven. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but he was in all points tempted as we are, yet was without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace in time of need. That's from Hebrews 4. 
So when you take the different verses in the Bible together, you can see we have an advocate in heaven. He hears our prayers. He ever lives to make intercession for us. He will come again. He will crush all his enemies. Therefore, we should not fear governments, popes, or councils. We must not bow before idols, nor may we compromise the essential principles of our faith. So Hebrews 4 is a great encouragement to the persecuted. Though Christ is physically absent from this earth, yet through his Holy Spirit, he is spiritually present. He is all-knowing. He is everywhere present. He is all-powerful. And he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. 1 Corinthians 15, 25. The ascension is a wonderful reminder and assurance to us that the earth will be as filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. The ascension proclaims Christ's glorious triumph and his future return on the Day of Judgment. Therefore, as Christians, we should return to observing Ascension Day as a holy day of our faith and seek to apply its implications into every area of life. Romans 12, verse 1 to 2 says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Dr. Hammond, what are the implications of Ascension Day for the Christian life? Ascension Day calls us to committed discipleship and consistent obedience. We need to take up our cross, we need to forsake the world, and we need to follow Christ. Israel could not fulfill its calling by remaining in bondage in Egypt. Neither can we effectively serve God today if we are to remain in conformity to this world, in bondage to its sins and idolatries, attempting to accept the benefits of Jesus as my Savior, while denying his authority as Lord over all areas of life is actually futile. This is why we need to go beyond celebrating Christmas, worshiping the babe in the manger, we need to go beyond accepting the atonement of our sins and recognize that Jesus Christ is the risen, ascended, reigning on high, King of kings and Lord of lords. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. We need to fear God. And we need to ask people on Ascension Day, have you surrendered to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Are you studying his word and seeking to faithfully apply biblical principles to all areas of life? We need to get back to the Bible for reformation and revival. Looking forward to the day when every knee will bow and when every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Um, earlier you stated that Ascension Day deals with authority. You said that several times. And you quoted uh, Matthew 28, 18 to 20, known as the Great Commission. Does this mean that as a missionary you see some special significance in Ascension Day? Very much so. In fact, at the Ascension, the Lord gave the Great Commission. He proclaimed his authority over all areas of life. The book of Acts, the missionary book of the New Testament, begins by describing Christ's ascension and tells us that at the ascension, Christ commanded his followers to be as witnesses to the ends of the earth. And he promised, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. So already we can begin to see the significance of Ascension Day for missionaries. And immediately following Ascension Day was uh, the, the prayer meeting in the upper room, which led to the day of Pentecost. So going back to your question, and the Great Commission, Matthew, look at what Matthew 28 contains. It contains a great truth. Jesus Christ is Lord over all areas of life. It contains a great commission. We are to make disciples of all nations. It contains a great command. We are to teach obedience to all things that the Lord has commanded. And the Great Commission includes a great promise. The Lord himself promises to be with us for all time. That should be 
make it clear we've called to do far more than merely share the gospel. Jesus Christ declared all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. The Lordship of Christ, his authority must be proclaimed and practiced over all areas of life. Go therefore make disciples of all nations. Notice we're not called to make converts or decisions, but disciples. And we're to make disciples not only of individuals, of course you start there, and of families, which is vital. Families are the basic building block of society. But we're not only to disciple individuals or congregations or communities even. The Great Commission is commanding us to disciple nations, all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So complete submission to Almighty God is essential. And teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. Education is an essential part of the Great Commission. We're not just to teach faith or selection of a few of our favorite things. We've been instructed by Lord Jesus Christ to teach obedience to everything he has commanded. The Great Commission must be our supreme ambition. The last command of Jesus Christ ought to be our first concern. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. We must not allow distractions or danger or disappointments or determined opposition to deter us from obeying Christ's Great Commission. Our purpose in this is to make disciples teaching obedience. The lifeblood of the church is its evangelistic zeal. No matter what the situation, no matter how adverse the circumstances may seem to be, our Lord's command is to preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, convince, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and teaching. At every evangelistic workshop and conference I've surveyed, the vast majority report it was through family and friends and neighbors, even strangers in one-on-one personal evangelism that they were converted. And the best sermon illustration is the life of integrity of a Christian neighbor, colleague, or family member. We need to be bold and innovative and persistent in seeking first the kingdom of God. Nothing that God has commanded us to do is impossible. As we read in the book of Acts, the Lord went up, the Holy Spirit came down, and disciples went out. A handful of disciples in the upper room went out and changed the world. And this needs to be the message for any Ascension Day. Um... Is there still scope for missionary activity? Well, indeed, just consider, do you know that there's over 12,000 ethno-linguistic people groups in the world? There's 66 countries where the governments restrict religious freedom and persecute Christians. Over 400 million Christians live under governments that persecute believers. 21% of the world's population are Muslim, 13% of the world's population describe itself as Hindu. And so, yes, there is a tremendous need. The harvest is very large. The workers are very few. We need to pray for the Lord, the harvest, to send out laborers into his harvest field. And Ascension Day should remind us of that, remind us of the Great Commission and the authority of Christ. Um, Dr. Hammond, have any particular Ascension Day stuck out on your memory, or how do you generally observe Ascension Day yourself? Well, we organize outreaches frequently and, of course, always a Reformation Day service. Now, this coming uh, Ascension Day, the 18th of May, which is always on Thursday, of course, Ascension Day. Um, there is a Lift Jesus Higher Ascension Day outreach being planned. At the Quasar Winter Ministers Conference earlier this year, it was decided to try and reclaim Ascension Day and to proclaim the Lordship of Christ over all areas of life. So I know in Durban they're planning a march to the uh, town hall and uh, they've got a march and outreach plan in Durban. And there's different plans for Pretoria and Bloemfontein all over the country. In Cape Town... We're inviting friends and family and um, congregations to join us on Ascension Day, 18th of May, from 11 o'clock to 1 p.m. 
We will assemble at the Boatencroft Street traffic island between the Cape Town International Conference Centre and the entrance to the waterfront. Our objective is to proclaim the Lordship of Christ on Ascension Day and to honour the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. We've got banners proclaiming his kingship that he will reign till he's put all his enemies under his feet. We've got gospel literature to distribute in various languages. And if people want to help us, join us in either literature distribution or making a stand, uh, please join us at 11 o'clock at the Batencroft Street traffic island between the Cape Town International Conference Centre and the entrance to the waterfront. You can also visit the Kwasabantu Mission website, www.ksb.org.za, to see other outreaches planned around the country. If one wants to join in with something in their area, they can contact us also and, and uh, find out more details how to get involved with Cape Town. But proclaiming these is vital. Now, I would think the ideal is to have a Reformation Day service. And in countries where Reformation Day is a public holiday, that's possible to have a Reformation, uh, an Ascension Day morning service. But uh, unfortunately, South Africa doesn't do it, and I don't think America has Ascension Day as a public holiday either. So maybe people can have an evening service. We will have a Reformation, uh, I should say, an Ascension Day service at the Reformation Society Thursday night, the 18th of May, at our mission headquarters. But many churches choose to have a Reformation Sunday, uh, an Ascension Sunday service. So the closest Sunday to Ascension Day, which would be then this coming Sunday, um, they would be encouraged to actually have a um, Sunday service where the focus is on the ascension and on the Great Commission, the authority of Christ. I mean, those are some good ways. I would say for anyone who wants to celebrate the authority of Christ, listen to the Handel's Messiah um, concert, which is just phenomenal, all scripture, and it just pounds out these great um, hymns of, of the authority of Christ and his power and his coming and his judgment. So, um, yes, I think there's a lot we can do to actually uh, understand the importance of it and make it known to our community. And evangelistic outreach on Ascension Day is a very good time to seek to reclaim Ascension Day and begin to campaign for bringing it back as a holiday. And in the meantime, at least churches should be observing it as a holy day to our faith, having a special service on Ascension Day evening or on the closest Sunday to it. Um can listeners find out any more information about Ascension Day and the Great Commission? Certainly. If you go to our www.livingstonfellowship.co.za website, on the Livingston Fellowship website, I've got Bible studies and sermons, both audio and sometimes video links and articles, including on the Ascension and the Authority of Christ and the importance of Ascension Day for today. Uh, you'll find Bible studies that help the greatness of the Great Commission. You go to the frontlinemissionsa.org website and look for Ascension Day and uh, Great Commission. You'll see a whole series of articles and sermons and Bible studies on that. So frontlinemissionsa.org or www.livingstonfellowship.co.za you will find good resources. Also from Christian Liberty Books website, on the christianlibertybooks.co.za website, you can obtain the Great Commission Manual, the Great Commission course, audio and video uh, MP3s. We're about to produce the book, the Great Commission Handbook, as soon as we have funds for that, and we've got a Gifts and Go set up for that because the goal is to print the Great Commission Handbook as a textbook for Bible colleges and schools 
and uh, for uh, pastors who are very much uh, needing the resources to reclaim this as a holy day to our faith. Thank you very much, Dr. Hammond. Um, in closing, let's meditate on 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 21 to 22, which sum up the ascension and the Lordship of Christ. Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God, angels and authorities and powers having been made subject to him. Thank you very much for joining us for From the Frontline. God bless and good night.